Let's start off tonight's lesson with a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 25. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. A stranger, and you welcomed me. Naked, and you clothed me. Ill, and you cared for me. In prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you ill or in prison and visit you? The king will say to them in reply, Amen, I say to you, whatever you did for one of these least brothers of mine, you did for me. And then later on, he continues by castigating those who are evil for not doing that which he complimented the good for doing. So again, amen, I say to you, what you did not do for one of these least ones, you did not do for me. And these will go off to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Parents, boys and girls, young people, we have the opportunity today to learn more about the corporal works of mercy. And as we can see, we hear all of them except the bearing of the dead in this scripture verse, not so much ransom, uh, but we know that in the Old Testament and other parts of the New Testament, they are all mentioned. Uh, We know of people who did the best they could to honor the body as a temple of the Holy Spirit to bury. I won't, sorry, I shouldn't be speaking about what they're going to mention later on, but we see all of these in scripture. I get to speak about the first three today, to feed the hungry, to give water to the thirsty, and to clothe the naked. Notice these are the things that are most essential for life. Food, water, and clothing or shelter. Uh, In this case, clothing, because obviously we're not like animals. Animals have fur. We have some hair, strategically located, but... It's not enough to keep us warm, trust me, in January, correct? No, I wear this, this beard, this scruffy beard, uh, because it is hunting season, because I'll be going through the bushes and the brambles and the briars, and that protects my sensitive face from too much injury. Um, There was plenty of blood when I went hunting the other day, uh, mainly blisters, but... When it comes to helping others, notice, we can show love in many ways, boys and girls. Let's review what is the definition of love. Wanting, choosing, and personally doing the good, in fact, the best, for someone else. Notice your parents give you healthy food. Every once in a while, they reward you with some tasty stuff that, in moderation, might not be the world's healthiest, but is it tasty, right? Uh, We did not have dessert a lot growing up in my family, but trust me, we always had good meals. My mother was a German, 100% German, and gave us a lot of good, healthy pork, wonderful sauerkraut. I never had a vitamin C deficiency. Um, And got, you know, I, I just remember all the salads. I started liking salads because my mother, I imitated my dad. My dad eats salads. I'll have a salad. Uh, and then we had what were called daddy sandwiches. Because when I was younger, I didn't like too much texture. So I had the sandwich, 
cheese, meat, and a thin layer of Miracle Whip. And then I realized my dad had lettuce and other things like pickles. And so we started, well, not just me, even before it was started, you know, they called it a daddy sandwich because it had more healthy stuff in it than just what we kids would have eaten. Notice, though, it is the first way of showing love. Even when a little baby is born, the first thing that the baby does is baby is placed in uh, his or her mother's arms and they hear, the baby hears the heartbeat of the mother. And then after that, the baby is fed. It's a sign of love. My brothers and sisters, we need to make sure that we who have plenty share with others when it comes to being hungry, thirsty, and clothing. And I want to give very concrete ways to do this. We can do this, for example, during Lent when we do prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. It's a great way to do it. Fast from coffee, for example, and the money you save by not getting, you know, uh, caribou coffee a couple times a week, put into a little bin and give it to charity. Or there are other things you can do. And again, don't go out to eat uh, or don't have certain meals. Maybe eat a little bit more simply on certain days. The money you save, you can give to the poor. Or you can buy things to give to our food drive. Usually, like our school has a food drive. Our Ultra Roji Society has a food drive to help those who need food. And I want to give you some concrete ideas. Parents. For example, if you noticed around a lot of the stop signs and stoplights, there are people asking for handouts. Now, notice in this list, it doesn't say anything about giving out money. Did you notice that? It doesn't say that. It's amazing. What it does say is what people need. I actually buy a bunch. Now, it might not be much, but I always have in my car a bunch of snacks and in the rectory, we have a certain area where we have food that can be eaten. It could be heated up if they want, you know, like those dinty more things, or they can be eaten, and we always have plastic forks. Just last night, right before we sat down for dinner, somebody knocked on our door. And, again, people sometimes do ask for money. I don't give out money unless I know the person. And in that case, as you know, I don't give out actual I mean, I can give up my own money, but I wouldn't give out parish money at all unless it's a gift card or, and I know the person's going to use it because it does say in Scripture, love everyone, but show love first to the family of God. Uh, and so last night, I didn't know who they were. They were traveling through town, and instead I said, well, what I can give you is some food. There was a wife and a child is what I was told along with, and then I said, I did give him a test. I said, here's some food. And they needed a place you can stay overnight in our parking lot. And then, if they came, and I could confirm there was a wife and a child, then I was going to actually give them something from me. I'd actually just gone to the store and bought some milk for the toddler. And, but they didn't show up. In fact, I, there were some cars there, but it didn't end up being the people. I walked up and like, oh, wrong people. Uh, <laughs> um, wasn't, the, wasn't the people I was expecting uh, late at night. But anyway, I wanted to give them something, and I wanted to give them a place. I said, there's TV cameras, so you're going to be safe there. There's plenty of light. Uh, they did not. They had clothing. He had a nice Carhartt jacket. You know, otherwise, I was thinking, I have, I have spare blankets, actually, that I, I buy just in order to give away. 
These are concrete things we can do. We can actually put in our car some of those tuna salad, chicken salad, ham salad, little kits that stay good for a year. And then during hunting season, when they're about to expire, I eat them. Then I buy a whole nother set. They don't ever go to waste. Um, but I know just today, we had yesterday, what is today, Wednesday, Monday, I had to move all those things around and kind of put them in a different place because we filled the car up with hunters, uh, some priest friends and myself. So we had in the car, though, even out hunting, we made sure to have these just in case we ran across someone. Here, in regards to clothing the naked, um, we do have people that give clothing And personally, what I do is I don't give used clothing away. Whenever I buy clothing, I don't like buying a bunch of clothing. I usually buy in bulk. Let's just say when I buy unmentionables, I don't like going shopping too often. I just buy like stacks of these packs. And then I'll take about two or three out. And if there's a homeless person that needs something, because what they they do need socks, I'll just be frank, they need socks, they need underwear, just like you and I do. So every once in a while, usually it's only once a year. Usually I'll ask, do you need anything? And I always keep our brown paper bags that we use for grocery. And I keep the stuff I'm going to give away in a separate part of my room. Um, As I said, in the rectory, we have another part for blankets and things. So we can just put a little kit together really quickly. Now, this is, again, the basic way we can show love. I always ask them, will you eat tuna? Or would you rather like chicken? In other words, what do you want? Um, I try to give them something healthy. I ran out of Gatorade, so I had to give them some pop. It's not the ideal. Uh, But nonetheless, it's an opportunity for us to give. So boys and girls and parents, we not only want a heart that is going to give, we want a plan. Because we usually get asked when we never expect it. So I encourage you, have a plan for Lent, you know, the food shelf, but then have a plan in your car, in your home, or a little kit you can give to someone. Next, Father McConville is going to speak on sheltering the homeless and visiting the sick. So and the uh, scripture that Father read from Matthew's Gospel says, When I was a stranger, you welcomed me. Certainly, shelter is a part of welcome. Somebody comes and has nowhere to go. That's, that's an important part of it. They have somewhere to go. Think of our homes. What a home means to us. It's a safe place. It's a haven. It's a, it's a peaceful, hopefully, place where we know we can go. And for those that don't have that, what an unconnected sense there is. So there's a very basic way that we can uh, assist. Often that's uh, more, it's a much larger uh, thing than we can possibly do on our own. Unless you're someone like President Carter, you can go build houses, Habitat for Humanity. He does that all the time. I see houses all over the place that are going up. Sure, participate in something like that. Often it's going to be probably a little more simple, like uh, donations to uh, shelters that can help people. Those are all practical ways, again, for how we can help those who don't have a place. But also, in a more practical way, we are able to welcome strangers just by saying hello. It's a simple thing, but I notice we are really bad at that. 
For example, okay, I'm the parochial vicar of the Church of St. Agnes, which includes a very large school building across the parking lot. A Catholic school, you'd figure, okay, everybody's got this down. I can walk through the hallway and not have a single student look up and say hello. Most of them do, but occasionally I can catch up one of those bad streaks. Everybody's just kind of dour and head down. And I'll say hello, and they'll maybe look up kind of at an angle. Or they won't look up at all, right? And they just keep moving. And have you, you, I'm sure we've all been in that situation, just walking along. You see somebody, you say hello, and nothing, right? And we know, I know my initial reaction, well, right? We get all grumbly. We know how, because we're, we're putting ourselves out there. Well, welcome the stranger. Welcome the stranger. Why should we be any different? Why should they be any different? They would like to hear that good word too. Saying hello. Is, it seems like a small thing, but to do it. And even though I know, you know, somebody once, somebody once said, um, I, I said, have a great day. And they said, I make no promises. Yeah, luck. <laughs> it's not an order. <laughs> I'm just being friendly. So, welcoming the stranger, giving people a sense of belonging, a sense of connection. Right now, in the midst of this coronavirus, COVID-19 stuff, we're wearing masks, we're sheltering in place, we're quarantining. All of these things run in their own way while we do them for our health, our personal health. They run contrary to our human nature which is to be connected. That we are social, connected beings. We're not born in isolation, we're born into families. And so I think it's even more important under the circumstances we find ourselves in today that we take that little extra effort to connect with people because it is so easy to be isolated, which is the next one. Visit the sick, tending to those who are ill. How many of you have ever been sick? Oh, yeah, somebody, come on, we've all been sick. Now, have you ever been sick enough that you had to be in your bed, in your bedroom alone? Yes, I had the measles, I had the mumps, chicken pox, I think I pretty much all of them, I ended up having to end up in my bedroom by myself. Mom would come up and check in on me every now and then. But then mom would leave, right? And I'm sitting there by myself. Now, today, you, you know, I don't know, you probably have, if you got a TV in your room or a radio even, that was a lot more than I had. I was lucky I could maybe get a book. But you feel lousy. You feel awful. And so to focus energy on a book or whatever. That's just, ugh. But mom would come in, and or if not her, the dog would, you know, dogs have a wonderful way of finding, their, they stick their nose in the door. And uh, but whatever it was, just to not be alone, because my illness 
makes me alone. Being sick. You're not sick. When I'm sick, I'm sick. And so you come in, you give me my soup, and then you walk away. I'm alone. How much we desire to have, again, connection, especially in illness, because we're experiencing in our bodies something that other people aren't. They're not experiencing with it with us. And so we can't have, we don't have that same connection. So to visit the sick, yeah, we're not going to, you know, camp out, but still to take that time because people feel lonely. We have a beautiful sacrament, the sacrament of anointing of the sick. That isn't just for people that are dying, it's for anybody who's seriously ill, because we recognize how alone we can feel in those moments. And so that call to just, you know, make a card, what a great thing. Uh, we, you know, it's a little harder to visit people in the hospital, but still cards, a phone call, anything that can assure that person, that sick person, of that connection. That's what the Lord wants us to know about our relationship with him, that we're connected. And so the, all of these acts are signs of our connection. And especially in those moments when we don't have a stable place to live or when we're ill and we feel isolated, we can have that knowledge. And to finish off our Corporal Works of Mercy, we have Deacon Nathan to talk about the last two, prisoners and burying the dead. How many of you have ever been to jail? We'll talk about that story a little bit. I used to practice law uh, back in my, uh, when I was much younger. Um, and, uh, and that I didn't generally do criminal law. But a couple of times I had to go visit somebody in jail. And it's a really, um, I want to say sobering, but it's also a very sad and lonely place. Um, in a lot of ways, that has a lot, is similar to what Father McConville was just talking about with visiting the sick and how lonely that can be. But in jail, Especially if somebody's got, you know, their conscience is bothering them. I remember when I, when I was clerking in law school, I was working as a student, working for a law firm. And the partner who always did the criminal law would come back from the prison having met, you know, multiple clients. And he'd come back and he'd sit down in the waiting room, open up the paper, and he'd say, it's amazing how many innocent people are in jail. And he was joking because, you know, everybody, nobody was taking responsibility for what they'd done. But a lot of times people do. They recognize I've made a mess of my life and they feel really guilty about it. They feel really alone. And you know what? We're told to love our neighbor. We're not told to love our neighbor if our neighbor is a good person. We're told to love our neighbor, period. We're supposed to love even those who perhaps aren't so lovable. And the other, another important thing that we recognize as, as Christian people is that we ourselves fall into sin and make mistakes a lot. And with God's grace, we can turn our lives around. By showing that love to somebody in that situation, you can help that person 
turn his or her life around in some ways. So visiting people in prison, it's kind of hard for you kids to do, but sometimes people will, you know, well, you can inquire about whether you can um, correspond with a prisoner, because sometimes they just want a birthday card. You know, maybe their whole family is not even going to have anything to do with them. And these are people made in the divine image and likeness. You know, they've had everything taken away from them. They don't have any control about when they wake up in the day. They don't have any control about when or what they eat. They, don't, they can't uh, decide when they want to exercise or whatever. They're taken out to exercise at a particular time. They have no control over their lives. They're treated like animals in a cage. And yeah, some of them really deserved it. But they're human beings made in the divine image and likeness. And as such, Almighty God thought them, just as he thought us, worthy enough to come down and die for them. God gave himself absolutely for them. So visiting the sick, visiting those who are in, in prison. But um, there, and there's also you know, another a, a traditional form of, of you know, describing this particular work of mercy is called ransoming the captive. And there were back in the Middle Ages, especially, you know, you had pirates uh, in the Mediterranean Sea, especially uh, in, in the uh, uh, area of Tunisia and so forth, the Barbary pirates. And they would kidnap people and sell them into slavery. And so a, number of relig- a couple of religious orders were actually formed in order to buy these people out of slavery and buy them their freedom. Okay? Um, there are so many ways that we can assist in helping people out of other forms of slavery. We don't have you know, that kind of slavery in this country anymore. We did a couple hundred years ago, but we don't anymore. But we do, you know, every time, if a person falls into addiction, in no sense that's a, that's a sickness too, but it's also a form of slavery to that thing. And so we can assist people helping them overcome an addiction, perhaps, making donations to uh, um, uh, good causes that actually help with addiction. We have a, a real problem in this country with opioid addictions, for example, addictions to, to, uh, um, to, to painkillers. And, uh, and this can be a, a serious um, form of, you know, for those who are in that, it can be a form of slavery because their will is undermined by that. Um, but there are other ways in which we can, you know, visit the imprisoned, if you will, because um, there are other hindrances or dangers to freedom. And protecting people who perhaps are in danger is another way that we can satisfy this. For example, when you're in school, if you see some bigger kid bullying a little kid, protecting that little kid can be fulfilling this work of mercy. Because you're ransoming the captive, if you will, the person who is being treated badly. Another way might be, for those of you in school, you might be involved in, like, school patrol. You're keeping, the, especially the younger kids, safe as they're crossing the streets. You know, when they're, when they're walking to school and, you know, and the cars have to stop for you and 
it's kind of fun. You got the big, big uh, um, the uh, the vest on, and you got the big flag, and the cars have to stop, even though you're in sixth grade. They have to stop because you told them to. That's kind of cool. All right. Um, so those are some ways that you can help those who are who are, for whatever reason, lacking in freedom or the ability, perhaps, to protect themselves. And then we come to the last one, burying the dead. You know, as, as Father had read, uh, Father Moriarty had read the, uh, um, the passage from the Gospel, our Lord lists these six things. You think, wait a minute, there's supposed to be seven. Well, he was talking about our duty to the living in the story of the sheep and the goats. But the seventh really wraps it together because it's our duty... Um, to, to, the, uh, uh, to bury the dead is really about respect for the human person that really that doesn't end when we die. When we treat uh, the, even the body of somebody who has died with respect, where we're treating them with respect, because we know that although their soul is no longer united to their body, uh, their soul has gone to face God uh, for good or for ill. And uh, we can show our respect for them. It's an act of love. And in the Old Testament especially, one of my favorite books is the book of Tobit. It's the only one in which there's a good dog. Um, uh, uh, But in, in, in the book of Tobit, one of the great things that Tobit does is when he hears that his people, somebody has died, he stops everything and goes out and buries that person, okay? Respect for the dead. So how could you do, you know, this work of mercy? Well, you go to funerals. You know, a lot of times with funerals, it's one thing with family members, you know, your grandma, grandpa dies or something like that, or, you know, uh, and you go to the funeral and all your family is there and that's great. But sometimes there are funerals and nobody's around. Or maybe one or two people show up. Um, you makes you feel kind of sad when you when you when you uh, preside at a funeral like that. The people maybe were living at the end of their life all alone in the nursing home, and their kids don't care, or on the other side of the country, or you know. Um, so going to funerals can be helpful for some of you, you know, get involved with the, you know, the funeral lunches, for example, once we can start doing those again, um, in the parish, it's kind of with the COVID, it's a little difficult, but, but a lot of times there will be groups in the parish that will prepare lunches for the funerals. That might be another way. You're not actually at the funeral, but you're helping out the family. Another thing, somebody has suffered a loss. Um, I know that, that, um, uh, uh, that um, I had a friend of mine who um, uh, his wife passed away and a lot of people brought food. You know, that's not the last thing he was thinking about, but he still needs to eat. And it goes back to the feeding the hungry, but it's also, in a sense, honoring the dead because he was bereaved. So there are lots of ways you can do this. You can care for graves, um, you know, maybe go to a cemetery in the summertime sometime and leave a flower on a grave that doesn't have any. You don't have to know the person to honor their memory. So all of these ways are ways that you can honor a human being who has made in the divine image and likeness and maybe has no one uh, to remember them. And of course, we have before us 
and we're closing in on November 1st and the Feast of All Saints. We're going to honor the dead, in particular the saints who have gone before us, and they and and pray for their assistance uh, as we uh, proceed through our life, and with the grace of God, we'll one day join them in heaven.